welcome back to the Get A Q Podcast. My name is Brandon Hall. We'll be joined today in the first episode of Season 2 by Kim Zajac. Kim is the Speech and Language Pathologist at the Norton Public Schools. She's a MassQ board member and the committee chair for Fall Conference. Kim, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Brandon. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, we've been going back and forth for a while trying to get you on. This is a, this is a big get for us. <laughs> it definitely is. You can't say we haven't been trying. No, I know. So we're going to talk. We've got two topics we want to cover today. The first um, is certainly on, on you know, it's it, it's very pertinent for, for this time period. Um, we're going to talk about navigating remote learning, uh, particularly with diverse learners. Um, and then late, a little later on in the podcast, we'll talk about the fall conference and kind of give a preview for a fall conference that will look and feel a little different um, compared to you know the, the ones that have happened over the last 20 plus years. But at the same time, it will still be the Maskew Fall Conference in a lot of ways. So uh, I, I think we, we've got kind of an exciting program set for people. Um, and, and I'm looking forward to talking about that. So as we try and navigate remote learning, just generally speaking, there's tons and tons of challenges, right? Like nothing that any of us were ever trained to do in ed prep programs or in grad programs. Um, you know, how few people actually do remote teaching, you know, maybe it's a virtual high school or something like that. Um, but you in particular are doing remote teaching with diverse learners. So t- I'd like you to talk a little bit about Sort of the, the, the unique challenges that you face um, with with your students and how diver- how you've been able to navigate that in in this remote and hybrid um, learning environment. Yeah, sure. That that's a really a, a great point of conversation. Um, certainly, you know, the school closures have presented us with a very unique challenge and um, one that we've never really had to to face before. And so. Um, you know, with with the school closures and, and social distancing coming into place, um, the entry of remote learning and, and all of that, um, we noticed that, you know, the face-to-face environment of instruction really is challenging to replicate in a remote setting. Um, we have wonderful tools available to us like uh, Google Meets and, and Zoom and, and um, some other asynchronous and synchronous um, tools and, and strategies, but it is really challenging um, to be able to replicate. And so we also need to take into consideration um, how to find entry points and access points for students to be able to engage um, together and to organize themselves um, in such a way that they arrive and are prepared to um, be part of the conversation. And so that takes that takes some time. And so we need to insert first and foremost some grace and, and allowances for that transition and adjustment to occur in the learning because it's, it's again, you're navigating space that's not tangible. Um, it's not right there in, in your space that you're sitting in. It's, it's sort of in this cloud and um, you know, intangible space of, in, in the remote world. Um, and so we, we found that you know, it's important to be very explicit and um, to, to outline and demonstrate what you're expecting of your students before you jump into it wholeheartedly. Um, and, and we also noticed that for, for a lot of students um, that some of their, their families even were, were experiencing some aspects of challenge in the pandemic around securing just some, some basic things like um, you know, food and, and shelter and, and Wi-Fi and, and things of that nature. So being mindful of some of the differences that may exist um, is a very important um, piece to be considered. 
Yeah, and, and just kind of to go back for a second on one of the first things that you mentioned, I, I think grace is like, uh, you know, I think we forget sometimes about putting ourselves or put, you know, in the shoes of our students or in their families and say, you know, what kinds of things can I do just on a basic level to assist you? Um, and, you know, when a kid doesn't pass in an assignment in a regular school day and we say, well, you didn't pass it in, you get a zero, not thinking necessarily that, you know, maybe there's a reason behind all of these things. We just kind of gloss over it and move to the next thing. I, I think a lot of people showed a lot of grace and a lot of humility and, and were very, there was a new kindness um, that sort of came out of this. And, and I really hope that when we move back to traditional teaching, whenever that is or whatever that looks like, that that grace stays with us because I, I think that's so important to think about. I mean, you just mentioned some basic necessities of food and shelter and electricity and Wi-Fi and kids, you know, being comfortable in the places that they are and safe. That that that's not necessarily the case here. Um, and and yeah. just the ideas of of uh, of ha showing some grace to kids and and, and each other um, goes really a long way in this whole process, especially as we ramp up getting started here. Um, as we go through August and September, every building is going to be different. Every school system is going to be different. Every state is going to be different. We don't know it, what, you know, in a couple of weeks if this is all going to look like. Yes, it's so true. I mean, we really do have to prepare ourselves to um, seek to continually understand with maximal flexibility um, and empathy to be able to um, shift expectations and make adjustments for individual students and families uh, because everybody does come to the remote setting or whatever the learning setting might be with a different um you know sort of set of circumstances and and they can shift and so we need to be able to respond accordingly um 100 yeah now what sort of challenges did you see um right off the bat um when we started the remote le learning and particularly with your with your student population Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think just even getting used to logging into a virtual classroom like Zoom or Google Meets was surreal for the students. They, they, most of the students that I work with are, are at the secondary level. And so they are familiar with things like gaming and we are, you know, Norton is a one-to-one -one district. And so they are accustomed to using Chromebooks and such in, in ways to enhance and support learning. But the use of Google Meets or um, Zoom was very new. So just navigating, logging in, understanding, you know, the communication expectations of muting and how to take turns in a digital world. Um, that's all different. And we're, how we get the cue to do that in a way that is conducive to the learn, the remote learning um, setting is, is also different because we're not necessarily always able to catch on to facial expressions or pauses in conversation because of maybe Wi-Fi is glitching. Um, things, you know, the, the temporal process of things is different. And so um, definitely learning to navigate the virtual um, synchronous platforms was, was a challenge. Um, I think also um, there was a challenge in how students were able to receive the various and vast amount of notifications from various um, learning platforms. So say like Google Classroom or any other type of um, you know, program or, or platform being used oftentimes is a separate set of notifications that, you know, can have settings um, made to. And so I think that was maybe the second 
most challenging thing for some of the students was just the overwhelmedness that came with trying to figure out what all the notifications were and what they meant. Um, that improved over time for sure. I think it improved over time um, in terms of what they were able to, to understand um, for prioritization, but I think also improvements came as a result of um, educators understanding how to navigate setting settings in a way that was more conducive and, and less overwhelming. Yeah, I, I mean, I think about my own two children who are eight and five having, you know, going through Google Meets and what that looked like for them and sitting, you know, at the dining room table doing my own work and seeing them log in and doing Meets. And my my daughter is very energetic in class and wants to be, you know, right in the mix <laughs> with everybody. And my son is very withdrawn. So watching the two of them participate in those meets, you know, at one point I'd look up from my computer and my son's in the kitchen getting a drink and I go, bud, what, what are you doing? He says, I'm, I'm, I'm thirsty, Dad. I'm getting a drink. I'm like, well, you're in class right now. You can't just get up and leave. You got to sit down. <laughs> Whereas my daughter's like bouncing in her seat with her hand up, wanting to get called on because she has, you know, something she wants to add or something. She, but that that sort of immediacy, because it was so one person at a time, um, was such a mm -hmm. unique challenge. I think for for both of them, um, and, you know, and that's the only kind of student learning I I can can look at and and give as examples because I, you know not running my own classes. Um, so how do you, how do you respond to these types of challenges? How do you get kids to stay connected and stay involved and, and, and still engage in the curriculum or not even just the curriculum, but just stay engaged with, with you so that there's a, there's a bond because I think what's going to come of this at the beginning of the year anyway, is we're going to have a hard time developing relationships with students um, mm. in, in this remote or hybrid environment where we're not, seeing each other, you know, every day for 50 minutes or whatever the, you know, the time block is. Yeah, you bring up a, a really good point. And I think that this, that's a really um, kind of a pivotal factor with September, which is that the students are going to be going into brand new classrooms with teachers that they have not necessarily had before. Um, and so relationship building is really going to be an important starting point. Back in March, when remote learning came on, um, there were established relationships because students had been in classrooms with their teacher and with their classmates since September of um, 2019. And so they had six months of firm development of, of relationships to call on. And in that way, you know, what I did, you know, to answer your question, like, how did I, how did I navigate when these challenges arose? I fell back on what we knew was true in, you know, in terms of student-teacher relationships and what I understood could, to, could be true um, in terms of a student's um, skill level or you know, even knowing what um, topics or hobbies they might like, I would use that information and try to leverage it creatively to create a setting of comfort and engagement and to, um, to, to really facilitate their um, organic desire to be a part of, of the work that we're doing. Um, but I think that's going to be different in September because we a lot of a lot of teachers and students won't have the benefit of having a pre-existing relationship and understanding of each other. So that's going to be a little different, um, and it will be important to incorporate a lot, I think, of strategies and opportunities for um, for for sharing uh, that kind of personal information. Um, and it will be important to be careful with how that's done, so that again we're not sort of forcing um, students into situations of, of um, having a required response that might not match their comfort level with a new set of faces. 
if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, I, yeah, I think about... Like, but to go back... Yeah, no, go ahead. No, I think about, like, in Pembroke, the transition grades. So, like, you know, going mm-hmm. into kindergarten and going into seventh grade and going into ninth grade, those kids are going into new buildings. They're, I mean, you know, they know each other. In the, you know, the ninth graders know each other. The, the, the soon-to-be seventh graders know each other. They don't know their teachers. They don't mm-hmm. know the building. <laughs> you know, the teachers don't know them. Uh, yeah. There's some unique challenges yeah, the there. the whole aspect of transition is is really really tricky for all students and you know for students with diverse learning needs where transitions and change and shifts can um, you know carry a little heavier weight um, you know something we definitely need to think about ahead of time and and be strategic about maybe even um, reaching out ahead of the very start of school um, just even to share you know maybe even uh, photographs or or drawings or you know little personal profiles, something like that, that begins the process of sort of opening up and, and becoming a, a shared community um, to, to, you know, just to set those initial steps of, of how typical beginning to school usually comes to be. Yeah, those connections are going to be so important. Um, so, so what kind of strategies would you say that you would share with families going into this, um, with diver- especially with diverse learners? I would say, and this is challenging, but I would say begin the conversation now. Begin talking about what the possibilities might be. And as we become more informed by our school districts as to what the situation will be, for sure, um, make ad, uh, adaptations to what the expectations will be. And I think that's actually a really it could prove to be very helpful to do this, to start the conversation early, to start it with the information that you know to be true currently, and then to shift and make adjustments to that, if you will, story um, to, to show the students uh, how, how it is possible to have an idea of how something will be, to watch changes occur within it, and to be able to mentally and, and um, cognitively shift with what that means in terms of expectations and what will actually come to be and what that will feel like and look like. So that when the start of school does arrive, there has been you know, even some light experience at home with those kinds of flexibilities that are going to be so important as we as we approach the next school year. Um, I think revisiting and, and getting sort of on a, a schedule of sorts ahead of the first day of school will be important. Um, you know, each you know parent could look at what their district is suggesting for their students and different schools that they might have students in and and start to think about, you know, what will an appropriate bedtime look like? What does an appropriate wake up time look like? Um, If they're, you know, what is it gonna mean on days that learning happens at home? And what does it mean for days that learning might happen in person in school? Um, And I I think the other thing I might uh, recommend is that given that we can expect an increase in the amount of screen-based learning that may be presented it will be important for parents to think about fun ways to do things um, with their students outside, um, to get up and move their bodies, um, whether it's outside or inside, just movement in general away from a screen is gonna be, I think, an important priority for families um, to have, which I don't know, it depends on where you live, but in in New England, we have a lot of really fantastic options in the fall for getting up and out and, and moving around, apple picking, things like that can be really fun. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think about my own kids being so young, that's their kind of go-to stuff, right? Like the, 
you know, getting out and riding their bikes and, and, and just kind of being physical and going to things like, you know, trying to, trying to get back into those normal routines. I think that's so important. Um, so what kind of strategies uh, on the same level, what kind of strategies would you share with teachers? So strategy, well, some of them similar. I mean, I think, um, again, as soon as there's information known about what, what school will look like and what class rosters will look like, reaching out to students ahead of time to share maybe some personal information um, about yourself as a teacher will help your students to feel more at ease um, with getting to know you. If they, you know, you kind of giving them a little like cheat sheet on, you know, oh, here's my teacher, Mrs. Ajak. Oh, look at this. She likes to read. She likes to kayak. She likes to run. Um, her favorite food is pizza. Um, those sort of things help them to kind of frame who you are and then make connections about maybe some things that they have in common with you as a teacher that might help facilitate um, a level of comfort and then, you know, lead to connections. Um, I think in terms of, um, you know, the structure of, of instruction, I think that it will be important again for there to be a lot of, um, you know, flexibility. I think blending, blended and personal models of instruction will be really key. And for uh, general educators and special educators and related service providers to be able to collaborate as much as possible is going to be um, really key. Um, I think we'll all be able to be more effective and learn a lot more if we're working together, um, both as professionals and um, relaying the learning to our students. And just really keeping human centeredness, like we had said before, at the, at the center of it all. Um, having grace, being able to, to um, be flexible and know, you know, sort of what's a must do and, and what's a would be nice, but, you know, we can be flexible and um, and make exceptions with kind of areas um, of focus. Yeah, and I think it's so important to remember that everybody's in the same position, right, with the curriculum as far as curriculum standards are, uh, and, yeah. and that it's important to remember oh, that, yeah. that, you know, maybe we didn't get to some of the things in the spring. Is that a must-do or is that a nice-to-do? Um, so that, that's I think yeah. that's, a, that's a great point you made there. Um, and I, I think if there's one more thing, too, I think that it's going to be really important um, – just given the very different nature of our um, return to school and also to be, um, you know, in tune with what's happening culturally within our country is to just to, to be judicious with the selection of what materials, um, content, images, videos, et cetera, are being selected to be um, included in instruction so that you know, just making sh uh, every best effort to be sure every student in your class is represented in, in some way that they can identify with. I think it's really important that everybody in all the ways feels included and in part of the learning um, environment. Yep, absolutely. Great points. Um, moving on to sort of a lighter topic, I suppose. Uh, the fall conference, <laughs> the fall conference is coming up and it's going to be a different kind of fall conference, but at the same time, it's still going to have the same great kinds of presenters and keynote speakers. Um, I know that this has been a huge pivot for the conference committee and uh, as the chair, the co-chair of the fall conference committee, I was hoping you could maybe give us a little preview of what people could expect and um, when people can register and things like that. Yeah. Oh my goodness. We are so excited. And I'm, um, I'm, I owe so much gratitude to our amazing fall conference committee um, we we just um, we, we're comprised of just a, an amazing group of worker bees who just they don't stop they just keep going forward and so we were able to really 
um, successfully make again that pivot from a planning a face-to-face -face fall conference that we typically would have at Gillette, which is really well attended and 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 well known as being kind of a flagship of learning for New England educators into a virtual experience. And so the registration actually will open on Monday, August 17th. And we're really excited to have an amazing and a diverse um, lineup of keynote speakers, Qbytes and featured speakers. And we also have um, a, an unbelievable lineup of presentations from educators, not only from around Massachusetts, but from around the nation. We have people coming in to present from as far as uh, California, Missouri. We have some people coming in from Florida, um, just from, from all over. So we have a really wonderful lineup and, and we have um, some very interesting and, and new strands added. Um, so we have, you know, some typical ones around um, technology and um, systems, but we also have some that are specifically aligned to diversity, equity, and inclusion, as well as um, we have a, a special education and um, specialized areas track as well this year. So we're very excited about it, um, and we're looking forward to hopefully seeing many of our usual attendees that come to face-to-face and experience uh, the process with us. Great. I, I was hoping you could kind of give us sort of a little preview of what what the, the the attendees could expect. You know, when they when they enter the fall the virtual fall conference. What what's the sort of I guess what's what's the vibe going to be like? What's the um, you know, because obviously they're going to be doing it from either their workspace or their home. Um, what's the what's the layout look like? So you'll enter and you'll be presented with a schedule of options, right? Which you can you don't have to pre-register, but it might help a person's experience to look through what the offerings are and to to kind of build a schedule for themselves based on their interest areas. And from there, you know, there will be links to join a session of your choice. Um, the sessions are largely going to be uh, have an aspect of pre-recording, but then also some aspects of uh, live Q&A as part of the process of that. Um, we also have uh, live presentations coming from, I think, our keynote, and um, we have some another library of pre-recorded sessions that can be accessed um, at any point in time, not necessarily on a schedule. And then know that the other positive thing about uh, the way the virtual conference is being set up is that all of the sessions will all be recorded and be available for people to view at a time that works for them. We are very uh, cognizant of wanting to be, again, uh, flexible, relevant, uh, and available to our membership. We want this to be a fun experience for them. They have the option of, of um, reaching out and gathering in meeting rooms virtually with each other. There'll be an opportunity to meet with vendors if you so wish to do so um, for personalized discussions and conversations. Um, and, and everything, like I said, all the sessions will be pre-recorded for people to be able to access all the way till the end of the year. So um, really hoping that we can help meet every educator's need by, by building the conference to be so flexible and, um, and offer such a range of topics. That sounds really great. I, I think for me, um, I, I'm going to really enjoy this one because uh, I tend to get lost in the vendor hall. Um, <laughs> both both physically lost, you know, like I'll walk around in circles for a half an hour, 
Um, and then the other part is, you know, you, you kind of get hooked in with a vendor and you start talking about some of the needs in your district or um, some of the needs in your classroom and you get into conversation. You have good conversations, but then you realize, you know, you missed the session that you wanted to go to. So uh, I'll still be able yeah. to go to the sessions and have the conversations with the vendors and not get lost because I'll be sitting at my desk. Um, the other thing is, is I'm hoping, is, is it possible to have a virtual appearance by Pat Patriot? Because I really do enjoy my yearly picture with Pat Patriot. I think you will not be disappointed with, with what happens with Pat Patriot. Okay, great. That's good. <laughs> Stay That's tuned. Good to hear. That's We're good working to hear. on something pretty cool. That's good to hear. Is there a Cam Newton uh, appearance here? Or can we... <laughs> <laughs> these are all things on our list brandon <laughs> all right well, hey now you sold me i'm sold now this is great um kim thank you so much um what do you have anything personally that you're working on right now i know this is something i didn't necessarily mention to you in the pre-interview but um is there anything personally that you're working on right now that you'd like to share with people hmm, yeah so as a speech and language pathologist as i'm you know planning my return to school in the fall one of the things that will be doing in my district is delivering our service through teletherapy. And that is a, a new experience for, for this group of speech and language pathologists. And so I'm doing a lot of learning over the summer um, about how to do that, how to do it well with best practices and, and utilizing and leveraging technology tools to that end. So I'm kind of, my, my learning uh, net is cast very broadly in terms of teletherapy, but I'm also trying to learn um, specific tools so that I can make the experience for my secondary computer savvy students can be both enjoyable and challenging um, for, for them and as well as myself. That's great. Um, and where can people find you online for your work? Okay, so um, probably it's easiest to find me on Twitter. My handle is at Zajac SLP. And linked from my Twitter page, you can find my website and um, I think by email as well. Awesome. Well, thank you, Kim Zajac, so much. Um, this was such a great conversation. I'm glad we were able to connect. Uh, and I think anyone that's listen that's going to listen to this podcast will learn a ton about sort of the return to school um, and, and ways to handle that with diverse learners. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brandon. I was glad to be here. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and anywhere podcasts can be found. This is the Get a Q podcast from MassQ, here to educate, connect, and inspire.